Bleacher Report, and it said Tom Herman denies, you know, blah, blah, blah. Both times, because they came like an hour apart, I thought it said Tom Herman dies. And I about <laughs> crap myself. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And then I read it, I was like, oh. Okay, breaking news. Oh, we got it. Here we go. Wow. LeBron to the Lakers. Is that official? Official from Woj. Wow. Four years, $154 million. Wow. Wow. Man. Hate to see it. You hate to see it. I kind of, I mean, those are how the team leaves. Darn it. Come on. Ty should feel like a win. No. It does not feel like a win. Oh, man. I'll say that. I'll say they, that. They say, they say a tie is like kissing your sister, but for the Browns, it's like kissing your hot stepsister. <laughs> now, here are your hosts of The Short Thing, Warren Shore and Ryan Silva. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this edition of The Short Thing here on Talk Radio 1190. I'm Warren Shore here. With Ryan Silva, as always, for show of 2019. One year uh, show anniversary for us is tomorrow. So thanks, everybody, for listening for the past year. We really appreciate it. And if anybody's new out there, we hope you stick with us for the next year. Big show planned for you today. We're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys playoff win against the Seattle Seahawks yesterday and the rest of the NFL playoffs as, look, they all uh, were intriguing games to say the least, and now we have the divisional round set up. We're going to preview tomorrow night's national championship game, Clemson versus Alabama, the third time in the last four years they've played for the title and the fourth straight year they've played in the college football playoff. And the last segment, talk a little uh, NBA, talk a little stars, uh, the Jim Light stuff, couldn't catch that last week, so we'll touch on that a little bit. Um, but a lot of good stuff you should check out on our iTunes and SoundCloud page. The That is the Shore Thing, spelled S-C-H-O-R-R. So rate, subscribe, and review. We had Merrill Hodge on Thursday on our podcast show. He has a new book out. It is called uh, Brainwashed, The Bad Science Behind CTE and the Plot to Destroy Football. Uh, uh, interesting talk there about his book and what he feels about the uh, CTE and how uh, he, uh, he's upset is what I got. Ryan, you could see if I... I think he's upset that people are destroying football for CT and not focusing on other sports or other activities where you could get concussions that could go to CTE. Yeah, it was it was uh, a little bit of that, probably mostly that, but then he also wanted to bring, I think, awareness to the fact that, hey, look, in addition to obviously football is going to be one of the biggest areas that you get uh, brain injuries, you can get brain injuries. He he kept using the uh, examples of kids riding a bike, kids slipping and falling in a bathtub, kids jumping on a trampoline. So he just kind of wants to bring focus to, hey, it's not just football, kind of like you said, but then also there needs to be other ways that it's treated to make sure that, you know, or find find ways that there's protocols put in place that no matter what happens or where you are, if you sustain a big blow to the head, that you are taken care of properly. Because obviously, most people probably know his career was ended by concussion symptoms uh, back in '94 after he played with the Steelers and then the Bears. Uh, so he's you know he's got obviously some experience uh, firsthand. Obviously, playing in the NFL and sustaining some of these brain injuries. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh... I don't think you could take repeated blows to the head in the shower unless you're clumsy. I'm not trying to make a joke about that either, I guess. But like, there's a joke there. <laughs> okay, I, there is, but <laughs> some of his arguments I felt like were 
grasping for straws. I'm, I'm not saying that in a bad way, but look, in football, you're going to take repeated blows to the head on a weekly basis for five months out of the year. And, and I think and I think it wasn't the repeated blow that he was talking about. I think it was just like the one big one, you know, sure. like the big thump. Yeah, and then you get back, and then you take another big right, one, and then yeah, that, that yeah. goes down. I don't think you're going to take five big blows. In the, I mean, you could, but, I mean, then we might need to – to have you take baths and not showers. We might need to switch up how you bathe yourself. Uh, so that was a good interview. Also, we have Sean McDonough. You can still listen to that. That was from Cotton Bowl uh, Media Day. So listen to that. That was uh, that's uh, that's up there on the SoundCloud. That's on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, and the iHeartRadio podcast. But he's all right. So we'll dive dive right into the Cowboys. Twenty four twenty two. They cover yesterday. The Seattle covers. Uh, tough. A lot of people complaining about the two point conversion. Personally, I'm loving it. I'm right there with you. I, I mean, uh, look, that's how football goes. Just a, I want to start off with what I thought was the funniest part of the game, and that was Sebastian Janikowski tearing his hamstring. I don't mean to be rude or something, <laughs> but that was so funny after he tried, what, a 55-yarder? Yeah, or something? 54, 55, something like Which that. Which isn't yeah. even that long to him, I didn't think, but... God, that was hilarious. Yeah, in his prime, like, he was banging home uh, 70 yard field goals like that in warm ups. But uh, it was funny. I saw a tweet um, of, of a guy, and he said, As a guy pushing 40, Sebastian Janikowski's injury makes me way more nervous than Alan Hearns' injury. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, those, t- those hamstrings start getting a little tight. You can't walk upstairs. You can't lift up your kids. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. You know, not making light of Alan Hearns' injury because that thing was gruesome. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But it but, sounds like he's okay. Yeah, like, thankfully. It's just a it's the dislocated uh, ankle, and then he broke his fibula. Yeah, and he had surgery today, and they said he'll be ready in August. That's good. Yeah, it's, yeah the first thing that uh, I was wondering was kind of like the um, Zach Miller injury was you know back uh, when he played with the Bears, yeah. just to make sure that no arteries were severed or anything like yeah. that or anything big. But yeah, it's good to hear that he uh, he's okay now. Yeah, uh, and I remember watching at the screen, looking at the screen, and seeing. I'm like. Look at his foot. It's going the wrong way. I don't know if you were – because he was writhing, and and I was like, all right. And then I was like, oh, my God, his foot. And I didn't even – I knew the replay was coming. I I turned the other way when the replay started. Yeah, see, we uh, – uh, my wife and I we were at the gym, and we got home literally right as kickoff was about to start. So we paused the game, uh, showered, made some dinner or whatever. And then I'm on Twitter as we're watching the game, and my Twitter feed's blowing up. And I was like, oh, get ready. Get ready for it. And I saw when he's laying on his stomach and his foot's pointing straight up in the air – I was just like, ugh. Yeah, uh, so the game, uh, I thought the Cowboys should have won. I thought they dominated pretty much the whole game. Uh, They should have won definitely more than two points. Uh, Hey, you want to play off game tomorrow. But to me, I thought the biggest reason why the Cowboys won, and Dak Dak played well enough. He did his normal. Zeke played well. But Seattle, they should be killing themselves today. Literally every single play that you made was through the hands of Russell Wilson. And you pretty much took the ball out of his hands for three and a half quarters of the game. And look, they had eight carries. Uh, let me see. Eight, Carson had eight carries for 16 yards in the first half, 10 carries for 22. And they kept running the ball. I understand you want to establish the run, but there comes to a point when throwing it down the field to Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett is going to work literally every single time you try. 
Yeah, I mean, we spoke about it on on Thursday, or at least I brought up that Chris Carson was fifth in the league in rushing this year, which was uh, kind of shocking to me because, you know, since Marshawn left, the Seahawks have been struggling to find just a guy to, to kind of man the backfield. They've been running it by committee for a long time. But um, at one at some point, you're absolutely right. It's like, all right, you, you just got to gotta put the ball in the hands of the guy that pretty much got you here, and it's Russell Wilson. Uh, obviously, that defense has been getting better after the rough start, but him, Russell Wilson, when he's making plays, when he's outside the pocket, when he's chucking bombs down to whether it is Doug Baldwin or Tyler Lockett, who I tweeted out yesterday, I think are two of the most underrated wide receiver duos in the league just because they, they just make these sneaky plays. Like you blink and all of a sudden they're behind your entire secondary and Tyler Lockett's bringing in a 50-yard catch and, and uh, you know Doug Baldwin's doing the same thing. But I think Russell Wilson, he's at his, at his best when he's outside the pocket, when he has the ball in his hands, and he can bust off a 10, 15, 20-yard run before you even realize it and he's running out of bounds or sliding down. So it was it was wild to me that uh, Pete Carroll, who, you know, he's been questioned for his play calling in the past, we can say, uh, just kept pounding the rock over and over and over again with Chris Carson. The Cowboys' defense was not letting up. No, I mean, they sold out to sell the run. The Seahawks are the number one rushing offense in the league uh, this year. And uh, I just don't understand. You have a Super Bowl MVP. You clearly uh, – one of the reasons why everybody was – people were picking you against the Cowboys was you have the quarterback advantage. Yeah. Like that was the main reason I think both of us took Seattle mm-hmm. is we're going to trust Russell Wilson in a big game more than Dak. And it's not saying that Dak played bad. The play calling while for the Cowboys was ultra conservative. I thought it was so conservative. I don't know what happened. Where was Blake Jarwin? Where are those seams down the middle? He just didn't. I'm not even complaining that I had him over 28 yards. Like I thought that was the easiest player prop bet of all time. Especially coming off a week where he had three tutties. Yeah, which I should have known he was going to go under. Uh, but they didn't even really utilize him down the seam. I thought the passing game for De- uh, just was, other than Amari Cooper, we got the occasional overthrow to Gallup. Oof, and, man, we hit the quota way over on those. He I had mean, a few. That one before the touchdown pass was like, yeah. you're if you're in the luxury box to the field level <laughs> suite, you're getting one. But that was a nice throw on there. I just felt like there was it was so vanilla yesterday for the Cowboys off. And there was like no creativity and it it was like the same thing against the Seahawks in like week 3 and they got lucky that the Seahawks didn't capital didn't they were stupid enough Brian Schottenheimer was stupid enough that he wasn't going to uh, uh let Wilson throw. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson, I think, finished the first quarter with minus eight passing yards. Yes. That's tough. Um, but, you know, the play calling with as far as passing the ball uh, against the Cowboys, I'm not mad at. You know, we've said time and time again, give the ball to Zeke. Give the ball to Zeke. 26 carries, 137 yards. He had 89 yards, I believe, before the half. The uh, majority of that he got on a 42-yard run uh, that set them up for a field goal right before the half or set them up for the yeah, touchdown right was, before the half. Was uh, it? No, it was field was it a touchdown? I think I think it was a touchdown. But it was set up points before yeah, the set half. Up point, yeah, it was that, like a yeah, it was a forty yard. I, yeah, I think it was the Michael Gallup touchdown that it set up right before the uh, right before the half. Um, so I mean that that, that that's your bread and butter right there. So I'm not mad at that. The ratio to Dak throwing it to uh, Zeke running it. Dak went 22 to 33, 226 yards of tutty and an interception. Zeke 26 carries for 137 yards. Like I said. Um, I think that's what you got to do. You just got to pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. And Zeke was busting off, you know, five, six, seven-yard runs like it was nothing. And then he did bust off that big one, like I said. So, you know, 
as far as maybe the the scheme and what they were setting up as far as play calling that maybe you can uh you know scratch your head or say something about that you know like you said not opening up the middle of the field a little bit more with the tight ends things like that but as far as overall play calling i'm i think what the cowboys did was perfect uh all right we'll take a break here on the short thing we'll get back into Dak's performance uh yesterday and still touch on more on the game then we'll look at the other uh, three games around the NFL, the wild card round in the playoffs. That's coming up next year on Tucker 1190 on The Sure Thing. So why am I talking about a job at Six Flags now? And he's one-on-one, no help. Prescott got a carry. And reach, flip, sets up first and goal at the one. Thompson with the hit. And that is where the ball will be placed a half yard away from the end Prescott keeps. Touchdown. When the morning comes and we see what we've become. All right, back here on the short thing, Tucker, 1190. That audio courtesy of Fox. Those were the uh, deck touchdown run in the fourth quarter. And, uh, I mean, great play call there on the quarterback draw. I think they – I don't really know what I was expecting on that. Maybe a little swing pass to Zeke or something across the middle. Uh, but great play there. Jarwin got away with a little block in the back if you go back and look at it. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, but he got away with the block in the back. Um, and you'll take it. Uh, I mean, Seattle, I don't know if they're complaining about the rest today, but uh, I thought the first one, the first pass interference on third down on KJ Wright, Wright was like ticky-tack. Yeah, I think that one could have gone either way. I thought, yeah, I thought that one was if out of the two that one was the more egregious one the one on Beasley that I mean he was the one down the sideline yeah right after that yeah I, I mean he was all over him there yeah see uh at first that KJ Wright one I think the flag came in late or they announced the flag late so I I pulled a Tony Romo after the after the play I went ooh uh, you know maybe that maybe there's a little bit of contact yeah. and then they they called it and I was like all right but then when they called the one on Beasley I was kind of scratching my head there um, but I think the the Seahawks got away with one on the interception by KJ Wright in the end zone yeah that was past interference but I think we all I think we both agree that Dak needs to make a better. Uh, well, the play right before that, he's definitely got to make a better throw. The play right before that, so Amari Cooper, he throws behind him. Uh, Amari Cooper catches it, but if he throws it in front of him, Touchdown. he's walking in. For sure. And so, uh, you know, I almost tweeted out, you know, if, if that's a good throw, Amari's scoring a touchdown. And then I was like, you know, I'll hold off because if they score a touchdown here, I'll look like a dum-dum. Well, they ended up throwing the pick, so I was like, well, you know, if, if, you're, if Dak is just – a couple ticks better with his accuracy. Uh, you know, they I think they put quite a few more points on the board. It's not even close. The game's not even close. Yeah. And they, they did score two touchdowns in the red zone this week, so they did figure that yeah. out, which has been a surprise. But, yeah, look, uh, the K.J. Wright interception or whatever, definitely contact there. I mean, you could say he was fighting for the ball, too. Um, I almost feel like maybe this is just this is not just as the rule thing. How, why should you be rewarding? Say it's underthrown like so bad. Like I right. feel like there needs to be a rule where, hey, if it's underthrown a certain amount, you should not get rewarded or make it like a, a ten yard pass. We we need something for underthrows because you shouldn't be getting. Say we see it all the time: forty yard deep bombs that are underthrown. And the guy's trying to catch it, and he's yeah. running right. I mean, that what's the? How can the defender even def- defend that? Right, exactly. If if if, if the 
wide receiver has to come back for the ball. I think you need to, you know. But then again, you can make a, an argument that that's the route they're supposed to be running or something like that. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's a tough call either way. But, uh, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of fans on both sides were arguing. I think it was a pretty fairly and even called oh, game. I'm not trying to bring the rest No, no, yeah, no, yeah. not at all. But, but I mean, I think it definitely is a storyline with those two. Well, inter- two on third down. Right, got, yeah. Like, that I mean, those are key stops and Seattle gets the ball. And- yeah, agreed. So, uh, you know, with that and then Cowboys fans um, saying that it should have been pass interference on the KJ Wright inter- uh, interception, I wouldn't have been mad if it was. It wasn't. I don't think, you know, in the playoffs too, you know, kind of like in the NBA, you got to let them play a little bit. Things agreed. are going to be a little more ju- uh, juiced. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it was a, a pretty evenly called game across the board. Yeah, and uh, look, some of the guys we talked about, like Frank Clark and uh, Jaron Reed, I mean, those guys had big games for Seattle yeah. up front. The offensive line from going forward for the Cowboys, to me, that is going to be, especially next week now, if they're playing against uh, um, the Rams. Yeah. I mean, they only had one sack, but it just seemed like Dak was under duress a lot. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of a lot of run plays were stuffed. Zeke was losing. Zeke never usually loses one or two yards on rushes, but a couple of them come to mind on like third and one, one of those third and one plays. Zeke, I mean, didn't even have a chance. Lost two yards there uh, with uh, Suafilo out. That's definitely going to be a big loss. Well, I, think I mean, that- but he was out this past week. I think he's who know. I don't know the word on him yet, but. Right before uh, one of Zeke's touchdowns, I think they're like at the one foot line, and he lost two yards. And yeah. that was that was a, that was one where I was thinking, a play. Oh, it, was when, it was when Zeke turf monstered. Yeah, 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 yeah. He slipped. He slipped in the backfield, and they were like I said, they're like at the one foot line. I don't know how Garrett just doesn't have a have Dak do a quarterback dive like he did uh, for Dak's other touchdown, where it's just you're right there, boom. Not don't even mess with the handoff. Don't mess with anything. I mean, Zeke ended up pounding it in later, but again, that kind of goes to uh, the play calling and the decision making by by Garrett there. But like I said, it all worked out in the end. Um, but uh, again, yeah, Zeke, you know, like I said, got caught by the turf monster, lost a couple yards there. You don't see that a whole lot. But with Aaron McDonald and Domkin Sue and a lot of those other front four that uh, the Rams have, it's going to be tough going and tough sledding there for the uh, for the offensive line and Dak. Yeah, I just think they need next week to be way more uh, creative. Was there anything else yesterday, I guess, before we look ahead that caught your eye? No, no. I, mean, I think we. I mean, the the secondary they they let they let a, quite a few plays get by. Uh, you know, let up quite a few plays. It's been let, par for their course lately. Yeah, exactly. And so they definitely are gonna have to shore that up um, because the Rams' offense is much much better than Seattle's. They obviously have way more weapons. I think. Um, you know, especially with Gurley, and who knows what to expect from C.J. Anderson? Dude came on like out of nowhere. Obviously, with, with Gurley down, I don't know if they're gonna use him much uh, as a spellback. But uh, they're they're definitely gonna have to shore that that secondary up and, and not let as many big plays because the Rams will feast on that if you do. Yeah, I mean, overall for the Cowboys, this is a, obviously anytime you win the playoffs is a huge win. This is huge for Garrett, yep. huge for Dak, but if they lose next week, what changed? Like, nothing has really, to me, nothing has changed. To me, you were expected to win that game yesterday. Like, you're at home right. in the playoffs. You should win that game. So... Uh, and, I, and I'm not even trying to say, oh, we shouldn't have been there. This is all great. No, you're in the playoffs now. Expectations change. Yep. And so say they don't get, like, it's all great and dandy, but the same questions are going to pop up if if they could lose next week. Like, say there's just bad coaching mistakes by Garrett next week. I thought he 
coached a fine game. The only thing I would say is I thought his biggest thing was kicking that field goal, the 58-yarder at the end of the first half. Why are you going to even kick that when you get the ball, when you're giving Seattle the ball at the 48-yard line? That led him. Seattle actually scored um, after that one. So I don't really get that. But, look, I saw Garrett like, oh, man, Garrett should get more respect. For this. He won a playoff game he should have won. And if we're just basing it off the standards here, have the standards in Dallas really dropped so low where we're, uh, man, yeah, we won one playoff game and we're going to go win one and then lose again. Like, I mean, I thought the standards here were different. I mean, when he, when it's been a while, you know what I mean? It's like, it's fine. But all I hear about from everybody is five rings. Our standards are so different. Yeah. You just don't get it. You're not from here. You don't get our standards, this and that. And now we're like, all right, um, Great for Garrett. He's we're giving going to give him an extension and all this stuff because you won one playoff game. I'm just saying. I thought the standards were different around here. I thought you held everybody to a higher standard. And just because Dak won one playoff game and he continued to play how he did, look, he's 32 and 16 as a starter. That's pretty good. A lot of teams would sign up for it. But I thought we're trying to win Super Bowls around here. Like we can't just you're trying to be just uh, one of the top 10 teams in the league. Or do you want to like be a Super Bowl champion? That's my point when I when I bring this up. No, no, I mean you're you're right, you're right. Standards should be higher around here, but like I said, it's been a while. You're just trying to get back into it and be that. I think for the Cowboys, just being in the conversation every single year is going to help a lot more than being just a big disappointment. You but know they're I mean? in the conversation every year to begin with, while it's if it's for performance on the field or not. Well, no doubt, but I think that's what the thing is. They're trying to be in the conversation for performance and for getting there. You know, be like uh, Drew Brees and the Saints. Be, you know, nobody's ever going to live up to what the Patriots are doing, but, uh, you know, teams like that, even Phil Rivers and the Chargers, they're in the conversation every single year. It's not a matter of if they're going to make the playoffs. It's just kind of where they're going to be seated. You know what I mean? Something like I that. I mean, the Chargers have missed the playoffs a bunch lately. I mean, they did. They've missed the playoffs more than you think. All right. Well, you know what I'm trying to say, though. But you know, you're just a team that's that's. No, I understand like, that, but I think the I think the Chargers and the Cowboys are looking right at each other. I see. I don't. I think that I would put the Chargers above the Cowboys. I I mean I, I I I we disagree there. I I wouldn't. I mean, Jason Garrett's been the coach here since when? Oh uh, seven. No, it was uh, like 2011, I think, or 2012. 2011? Yeah, because Parcells was still the coach. Oh, seven. Okay. In and it was like 11 or 12. Okay, so in seven or eight years of him being here, this is their third trip to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm saying that's not good enough. But that's the, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And it's been a while since they've been in the conversation like they were back in the 90s where everyone's always hyping up, talking about how this, how great they were, how how awesome, you know, how this was the Cowboys, America's team, that, that, this, that, and the other. And then we thought they were going to get back there when they went 13-3 and in Dak and Zeke's rookie year. Then they obviously have a terrible year last year, and now they're back in the playoffs. I think you need a couple more years of always being in the playoffs to, to for expectations to change. A lot of the narrative from Cowboys fans, either whether it was on Twitter or just around town here, was, hey, we're happy to be in the playoffs. The way the season started, we didn't think we were going to be here. We're happy to be here. Now they won. Now it's like, okay, let's see what, the, what this next game is going to bring. You know, things like that. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, he was a coach in 20 he – was, he was, Garrett was a coach in 20 uh, – in 2011. 2011, okay. But, I mean, the Chargers, look, this is Anthony Lynn's second year. I guess the only thing you think of the Chargers is because Rivers, and they right. have the quarterback stability. Kind of, yeah. But, I mean, how many times at the end are we looking like, oh, the Chargers should have made the playoffs? Like, I feel like the Chargers were more of the sexy pick for uh, making the playoffs than actually, like, ever getting there. I mean, they've and... won four straight wildcard games, the Chargers have. 
Huh? The Chargers have won four straight wild card games. Yeah, but not years in a row, but when they've right, got in the still. playoffs. And and this was the third time that Garrett has made the playoffs since 2011, is my point. So, I mean, they've the Chargers have probably been in the playoffs more times than the Cowboys since 2011. I don't know why we're turning this into a Chargers-Cowboys conversation, but that's kind of I mean, where Because it went. you brought it up. And I, I just feel like... I just feel like they're the same. They're the same type. Of, they're in the same type of situation. I mean, okay, but what? So the Chargers do the same thing. They win a wild card, and then they lose in the they lose in the next round. I mean, that's what the that's what the Cowboys have done. Yeah, I mean, so they're the same thing. Yeah, all right, I agree to disagree. And I'm wearing an Antonio Gates Potter blue jersey right now. Shout out Toledo. Yeah, shout out Toledo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. But all right, when we come back here on the break. We'll take a look at the rest of the NFL. Uh, how those that one games got away were... from us? Huh? That one got away from us. Well, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's fine when you have a limited amount of time, but <laughs> wait, whatever. Uh, when we get back, we'll take a look at the rest of the NFL. We'll look into that uh, championship game tomorrow night, and what a terrible place to have it at the Forty Nine ers Stadium. Yeah, I think. I mean. Levi Stadium does not breed college football to me. Uh, we'll get into that next year on the short thing on Talk Radio 1190. Here it comes down one more time to a kicker after all the battle that's been waged out here tonight. As it so often does. 43-yard attempt from the right hash mark. And oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. And the Eagles run out into the field, but there's still five seconds. So they've got to get back. Got it. Uh, look, timing was a little off there. I uh, didn't realize the song, but that was audio courtesy of NBC. Al Michaels there on the Cody Parkey double doink. Uh, Bears fans had high hopes for that kid. But the double doink. All right. I've got the. Uh, I see what you did there. Thank you. Uh, well done. Uh, putting a book on the Chargers uh, thing. I've got their postseason history up. All right. First time they made the playoffs since 2013 was this year. When they won one, they won the wild card game against the Bengals, lost to the Broncos. Then they made it in 2009, 2008, 2007, and 2006. And in 2007, they lost to the Patriots in the conference championship game. And then they won a game in 2008, didn't win one in 09, and then didn't win one in 2006. So, but so, and since since Garrett, they've made a. This was their second time. Right. All right. Fair. Fair. You're the late 2000s was when they were really cooking in the playoffs. Right. And see, maybe that's where my memory went to when I was when I was bringing that all up. Yes, that was it. All right. Uh, so I'll take the victory on that one. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um. So elsewhere, the Bears, Eagles. Uh, I've to me, it felt like everybody was on the Eagles. Just because of Nick Foles and what they had Fair going down. on, and uh, that was Nick Foles did not play well today. He did not. He, actually, he was yeah. terrible. Mitch Trubisky was not great. I didn't think so. He made some big throws down the stretch when it mattered, but to me, he wasn't that great. And I mean, it was just a defensive grind it out. And now the Eagles win because Cody Parkey misses a kick that goes off the upright, then off the crossbar. And now they go to New Orleans, and uh, then the Cowboys uh, go to L.A. because of this. And, I mean, the Eagles just – I don't know if they could pull it off in New Orleans, but I it would – you know what? It would it would shock me if they won outright in New Orleans. 
the Eagles? Yes. Yeah, I you know, I think both both the Eagles and the Rams or excuse me, both the Saints and the Rams. Uh I think we're going to have one and two matchup in the in the uh NFC Championship game uh here just because I think the Cowboys defense has to play an absolutely perfect game against the Rams if they want a shot just because of the uh lack of of confidence that you might have in Dak right now because you know he's going to be good for a couple mistakes um and if you give the Rams extra possessions they're probably going to hurt you they're going to put some type of points on the board whether it's a field goal whether it's a touchdown whatever it may be they are going to put points on the board and that defense is pretty sick too for the Rams so I think I think this a lot of the the Rams Cowboys game comes down to the Cowboys defense playing well and trying to limit those opportunities as much as possible and you know obviously one of those bend not break games but even that even bending is you have to play probably your best game of the year yeah and i think the the rams offense hasn't been clicking since cooper cup's been out and yeah. gurley has been banged up this is a much better matchup for the cowboys than going into new orleans and i think you saw that with how the chargers played the saints today when you play the team a second time i things totally changed and i don't think you could really you can use that first thing of hey, this is how this is how they're going to try and play us maybe again. That's exactly what the Ravens did against the Chargers. Did the same stuff, and the Chargers were ready to stop it. But a uh, much better matchup for me against the Rams. And uh, I mean, look, it's a huge quarterback showdown too because a lot of people wanted the Cowboys to trade up and draft Jared Goff when they were at number four, and he went number one. And Prescott was taken in that same draft. So this is another big time twenty sixteen draft class uh, quarterback showdown. And, uh, look, anytime you're going on the road in the playoffs, it's going to be tough. But I, the Coliseum, to me, doesn't, like, breathe home field advantage for the Rams. I mean, that that, that doesn't seem like it's going to be a tough place to play. If anything, the, all the bandwagoners are going to have huge uh, – um, it's going to be a huge – like All huge the, showing for them. Yeah, huge showing for the Cowboy fans. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, there, it probably will be split pretty evenly down the middle. Not maybe not evenly, but it's gonna be there. There'll be a good mix of Cowboys fans there for sure. Uh, out in uh, L.A. But for, uh, shifting to the Eagles, Saints. Um, Nick Foles, like you said, wasn't very good. Twenty-five of forty. He threw two picks. That's tough. Usually he's at his best when he's. I mean, like most quarterbacks, you're not turning over the ball. You're playing pretty well. No kidding. Um, but uh, he he missed a couple throws. He, he made a couple poor decisions. Like you said, Trubisky not great. He didn't turn the ball over. Um, so that was a plus there. It just really came down to that Cody Parkey kick for uh, for the Bears today, which is a tough look. I think the Bears are going to start. You're going to see them kind of you know build towards something here. A lot of people are knocking the Mitchell Trubisky pick and them trading up just one slot to get him. I think it looks like it was not a terrible decision. I mean. He does just enough with that defense, the, um, playing as dirty as they are. I think it works for the for the Bears moving forward. But as far as next week goes, like I said, I think it's going to come down to the Saints. Drew Brees has been here time and time again. Would you agree that the the Saints they're in the conversation every year? Yes. Oh, yes. All right. Sweet. All right. Yes. Good. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But uh, so I mean, they Sean Payton does it over and over again. I mean, Michael Thomas is is filthy. So you know the obviously Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, the two headed monster they have in the backfield. It's going to be tough sledding there for the Eagles defense to try to contain all all those Saints weapons uh, that they have on the offensive side. And their defense plays just good enough that they just let their offense handle the ball. Their defense in New Orleans is much better than I think people give them credit yeah. for. But uh, going back to the Mitchell Trubisky thing, he went number two. But Mahomes went number 10 in the draft, and then Watson went uh, 12th. And Deshaun Watson was terrible yesterday. But, I mean, I think anybody would trade Mahomes over Trubisky. You would rather have Mahomes over Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. No doubt, no doubt. And I'm not and I'm not saying that the Mitchell-Trubisky pick was a bad pick or anything, but 
if you're going to trade up for a quarterback, we might want to get the best quarterback in that draft. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you can 100% make that argument, but uh you know, even but I think even Kansas City to a point was kind of not criticized, but uh you know, the pick at the very beginning when it was first made wasn't exactly because they traded up to get uh, Mahomes, yeah. Mahomes at ten two. That it wasn't like that. Everyone was applauding Kansas City either. So I think they kind of struck gold there. Obviously with with Mahomes as well. Uh, yeah. All right. Going over the AFC, we'll start yesterday. The Colts went into the uh, Houston and won twenty one to seven. The game really wasn't even close. Deshaun Watson was pathetic. The only thing he did well was celebrate first downs when he was down twenty one points, which. Look, I you could celebrate, but when you're down 21 points, Steve Smith said it best on NFL Network today. Go back to the huddle and try and put points up on the board. I thought I'm not that I know this might sound as me as like get off my lawn or whatever guy. Not really trying to do it. You can showboat all you want, but make sure you're winning or you're actually playing well. The funniest moment of Deshaun Watson was when he threw that pick in the first quarter, I think first half right to the Colts guy and he goes, "Yeah. That's that on, one's me. on me." That yeah. was, who else is it going to be? I mean, yeah. you totally misread the coverage there. Um, the Colts play the Chiefs, and doesn't Kansas City fans, the sphincter's starting to tighten already when the Colts won. I don't think they like this matchup against the Colts. That offensive line, I've got to tell you, man, is awesome. I know that an offensive lineman w- would never win Rookie of the Year, but you got to, you know, I know a lot of hype uh, right now around um, – uh, guy just lost his name, Nelson. Quinn Nelson, Nelson. Um, big Fortnite guy. We found out yeah. at the Cotton Bowl. Big Fortnite guy. Yeah. Killed the towers. Shout out. Um, but uh, you know he's just an absolute animal. I mean, the highlight tape on him—he just pancakes guys over and over. And big, strong. I mean, he pancaked Javion Clowney like he was. A, it looked like a big brother picking on a little brother. So now that Andrew Luck has time to sit back in the pocket, chuck the ball around to Ty Hilton. Marlon Mack had a great game—24 carries for 148 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I would agree that. This uh, that the sphincter is tightening up, you know they're puckering up a little bit in Kansas City. I think this is going to be a great matchup. And then the Chargers really dominated the Ravens all day. The Ravens had negative six passing yards going into the fourth quarter. Before Lamar Jackson, who going into the game had the best pass rating in the NFL in the fourth quarter at 118, uh, which was surprising me. They lit it up in the fourth quarter, but too late. Uh, Lamar Jackson had what three fumbles on the day? Two of yeah. them were lost. Uh, he could not throw the ball. And the Chargers knew what they were going to do. We said it on the show Thursday, or I said it, uh, that the, playing this off, this offense was going to be huge for the Chargers two weeks ago, and they were going to be able to stuff it. And they stuffed it. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens had no answer. And part of me was stunned they didn't go to Flacco there in the in the third quarter. A lot of the a lot of the chatter on Twitter and the internet was, you know, all right, we got to go to Flacco. Maybe go to Flacco. Maybe go to Flacco. I mean, at least give your because with Flacco you give yourself a chance at the deep ball. You know, you get one of your Something. guys. You yeah, get your guys, by, you know, behind the behind the secondary, and uh, you know he can at least chuck it up. But yeah, it, I think that that was just Harbaugh. You know, sometimes these coaches kind of get a little bit of an ego and chip on your shoulder, even though you think, even though a move you think is the right move, they just want to stick with their guy, kind of a you know run what you brunk type deal. Yeah. Uh, so then the Chargers got to go play the Patriots. You know what? I like the Chargers early on against the Patriots. I'm uh, sticking with the preseason uh, pick. I'll do it right now. I think they're going to go in and win. What the Patriots haven't really shown me anything this year to say that they're uh, they don't have the defense like the Ravens do. So mm-hmm. Rivers is going to be able to throw it. Uh, the offense they got obviously Edelman and White, 
Gronk, unless this bye week does him, unless he went to Germany to get some magic medical thing. I mean, he just looks like a corpse out there. Yeah, yeah, he's really running on one wheel right now. Uh, he, it's tough. I mean, it, it, as you all, you think Gronk's just going to bounce back and be Gronk, but I mean, he looks like he just running. It looks like it hurts him. Uh, so yeah, like you're like you said, the the Patriots. This Patriots team does definitely doesn't look as dominant as it usually does. Uh, you know, we've we've seen in years past losing Josh Gordon. I think really hurt them because that's a weapon, a deep weapon that they had in the passing game. Um, so it. That obviously ties a hand behind uh, ties a hand behind their back. I think this is gonna be much closer as well. I don't. I'm not going on record yet to make a pick in that game, um, but uh, I think the Chargers do have a pretty good chance of taking one in Foxborough. That's a tough thing, though, is going into Foxborough and playing. It is, uh, you know, in winter in January, tough spot to do it. But uh, I think if anybody can do it, anybody has the stones or the gall to do it, I think it's Phil Rivers and Melvin Gordon. Man, he can. That guy's an animal. Didn't have a huge game today. Uh, kind of did enough. He also got banged up, I think, in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. He, he went out with a, with yep. another knee injury. I don't know if it was the same MCL that he'd been struggling it was with. Knee. It was his left knee. So, uh, you know, that hopefully he can get back to closer to 100% because when he's on, man, that, this offense gets clicking with Keenan Allen and the Williams brothers uh, uh, for the Chargers. Yeah, uh, and, they, I mean, they got to fly back to L.A., then they got to fly all the way back to New England. Um, yeah, that's tough. Uh, before we go to break here, I want to shout out Jason McIntyre's Super Bowl prediction of the Bears and Ravens in the Super Bowl is looking really good right now, right about now. Yikes. Freezing cold takes got him uh, right there, so I thought that was pretty funny. All right, well, we got carried away with the Cowboys and Chargers discussion, so <laughs> we will talk about the National Championship game. Big football heavy show. Look, this uh, is the... This is, this is prime time football. Prime season, time baby. of football. Uh, so we'll come back. We'll talk about uh, the national championship game, Clemson versus Alabama. That's going to round out our final segment here on the short thing on Talk Radio 1190. Yep. Ah! All right, last segment here on the short thing, Talk Radio 1190. Warren and Ryan, hit that subscribe button, rate, and review us on iTunes. It's a short thing. We got our interview with Merrill Hodge there, and we got Sean McDonough on there. Lots of good stuff, so check it out. We post all of our old shows uh picks for the nfl how'd you do this week ryan three and one all right i went four and oh nice yeah. uh so hey both of us so, what was the one you met oh texans yeah yeah um hey winning week looking back though man i was like i i like even before the game started i was like you know man i probably should have gone with the colts but you know i held my ground stuck by my guns <laughs> and thought maybe i might be able to pull one out Definitely did not. All right, so the championship game tomorrow night in Santa Clara. I saw something today. They don't even know if this is going to be a sellout, and it's not because of fatigue of Clemson versus Alabama. It's because it's played in Santa Clara, California, and flights were expensive. Like, we were looking them up in the Cotton Bowl from, uh, like, Charlotte, Charleston, wherever the in that southeastern part, uh, the Carolinas where Clemson fans would be. I mean, they were like eight hundred, nine hundred, some even a thousand dollar flights out there to San Jose uh, for this game, and in Birmingham they were a thousand dollars too. So it's just a hard for these fans to go there. It's not saying they don't want to go; it's just tough to go out to Santa Clara. Yeah, I think just in general, I think the national championship could should kind of be held just like in the southern region of of the United States. I mean, I think that would probably make the most sense. That's what they do for like the Super Bowl, unless right, a right, dome. right, right. Yeah, you know, in warmer climates, and obviously Santa Clara falls into that. But um, just because, I mean, 
you you flip a coin, chances are at least one team is going to be represented in the southern region. You know, whether it's like Nebraska South, you know, like yeah. anywhere south of Nebraska, you're going to have probably at least one team represented from that region. I just think they should play it at the Rose Bowl every year. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's me. All right. So the game, Clemson is getting five and a half against Alabama. The total in the game is 58 and a half. And to me, Look, obviously, Dabo's been validated for his change of putting in Trevor Lawrence at the quarterback position over Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant had trouble doing the forward pass. It's always going to be tough uh, when you're a quarterback if you have trouble doing the old invention of the forward pass. I like Clemson in this game. And I'm not just saying that because we saw them last week. I just I like what they have. I know Dexter Lawrence... Uh, in, is not playing again. He's just suspended again. They appealed. They couldn't get it. But uh, Higgins, the guy, Albert Higgins, who came in, filled in nicely. I think he's going to have a big game. And I just like, I think the receivers for Clemson, uh, Ross, those other guy, Renfro, I think these guys, they're going to be able to cause problems for the Alabama secondary. Yeah, you know, I was kind of asking myself the same question because I like Clemson too. It's just it's hard to go against Alabama. Like if 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 you're the guy that goes against Alabama and they ended up winning, you look like a big dum dum. But I and I so I had to ask myself, I'm like, am I on Clemson just because we saw them play live and we saw how good they could be? And I don't even think that was their best game that they could have played against Notre Dame, um, considering how how quickly they got up on Notre Dame. Uh, T Higgins, another another guy that uh, is great for uh, Clemson wide receiver. I've been banging the drum for Travis. Etienne all year, um, and he's he's been great. He set the single season rushing title record. I think I uh, mentioned that for uh, Clemson Tiger this year as a sophomore. Trevor Lawrence is an absolute. This kid, that kid has a friggin' he he's Uncle Rico in the making. He could throw the ball over those mountains, uh, no matter where you're at. If they were at playing at the Rose Bowl, he'd throw the ball over those over those golden plated mountains or whatever they are behind the stadium. Um, so I I do like Alabama too. Their defense is good enough. The only question is, even going into the Cotton Bowl, was the Notre Dame wide receiver is going to be able to uh, kind of out-athlete and beat up the Clemson DBs. So with Jacob Judy and so or uh, not Jacob Judy, excuse me, um, uh, uh, Jerry Judy and some of the other big wide receivers that that Alabama has, that's the one thing that comes into question here for me uh, in this game. It does, but you also heard leading into the Notre Dame game how the Clemson DBs are garbage, and then they prove their point, right? And so that's why, like, I was thinking about that too when I was thinking about this game. Like, how? I mean, did the Clemson? Did they have just so much time to prepare that they they just put it all in that one game? I I don't think so. I think they're gonna. They played one bad game against South Carolina at the end of the year, and then everyone, like Dabo said, they're chop liver. Okay, I think that's a little a little harsh. Um, and I the, why I also like Clemson too is they know how to beat Alabama. There's like two programs. Ohio State has beaten them in the playoff. And then Clemson. They've gone toe-to-toe with them. They've beat them once. They had a ball go the other way the other time. Like, they are not. I know last year they got beat dominant, but I they had a clear upgrade at quarterback this year. And to me, yeah, Saban is a great coach, but I think D- Dabo's right up there with them, like, oh, yeah. coaching-wise. So you could say there's a little advantage for uh, Saban just because he's Saban. But I think, I mean, I think the coaching margin is just minuscule in this game. 
Yeah, yo, no, I agree. I don't think I think you can kind of take coaching off the board here because they kind of cancel each other out. I think he really just has to come down to the guys on the field. Go figure. Um, I think a lot of the success Clemson had last year, or last, excuse me, uh, last game against Notre Dame had a lot to do with that front four of Clemson. Even though they were missing Trevor or not Trevor Lawrence, uh, Dexter Lawrence, the like you said, Higgins filled in great for him, and so it was almost like they really didn't skip a beat. Whereas Alabama. Obviously, their front four, their linemen, their front five, I should say, their offensive linemen are going to be much, much better or are much better than Notre Dame's. And so if you give Tua too much time, even though he's still banged up, that's another thing that comes into question here is his ankle still, I don't think, is 100%. So he's not going to have the mobility he's used to or that he would like to have. And that might bode well for Clemson's defense there as well. I, I do want to see how Quentin Williams does against the Clemson offensive line, though. Like I, that, I mean, he dominated the Oklahoma offensive line. I th- I mean if I think he's gonna do it again. I will say though, I thought this was the biggest criticism of Lincoln Riley. If Dabo wins the toss, take the ball. Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma won the toss and deferred. You're down seven nothing like that, and you put your offense right in the hole. Take the ball if you're Dabo. And I know you're shaking your head right now. No, I'm I'm just kinda like, you know, I can I can see it either way. I I like in this situation, take the ball, let my offense on the field, set the tone. Okay, it doesn't go great. That's fine. But you're not. I'd rather you go three and out or have a drive stall at midfield than just have Alabama march right down the field and your offense feels like they got to play catch up right off the gate. Yeah, but I mean, the same could be said. You go three and out and you give them the ball and they go right down the field and march. Okay, that, you know what? That's fine. Sure. Fine. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I see the difference there, but hey. You have the ball once at least. Yeah. Your defense would be like, hey, we need to make a stop. I know you need to make a stop at the beginning of the game. I would just like getting the ball first. I don't think you should let Alabama just walk all over. You say they do that down the field. Yeah. And are we sure two was a hundred percent? That's what I just said. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he is. Uh, thanks for tuning into the show. I said that he might lose some mobility there because he. I was looking at some some other stuff. <laughs> uh, that that I think it's going to bode well for the Clemson defense because he won't have quite the mobility um, that he's used to or that he would want to because that ankle isn't a hundred percent. All right, your uh, official pick. Uh, I- Clemson and the five and a half. Oh yeah, so yeah, am please. I. Give me you know five. what? I'm probably gonna tease it up. Honestly, I'm, I'm on the over. Fifty-eight. Both. Wow. I'm looking to end. I was hot on bull season. Yeah. I'm looking to end the season on the card uh, strong. There. All right, we got some time left. I know Ryan, you want to talk about it? We could. Uh, I don't think we touched on on the show. We could just touch on some of the other New Year six games in the season. Look, the Sam Ellinger clip of him saying Texas is back. When they lose to LSU the second week of the season, he should just stay off Twitter for a week. I mean, yeah, he's not going to hear the end of it. That is just – Set kid, yourself up. The kid is confident. He's pretty good. Um, But, I mean, he's setting, some, he's setting himself up for pretty bad. And, okay, I got a question. Do you still think, Shane, what are your thoughts on the Bouchel? I, I, uh, have you come around to the other side here? I 100% have, and it's funny you say that because I was literally, that was, those were going to be the next words out of my mouth. I'm off the Shane Bouchel uh, wagon, fooling on the Sam Ellinger bandwagon. That kid is tough. That guy can handle the spotlight. That, I mean, he's, yeah, I'm, I'm on Sam Ellinger now. Shane Bouchel, you had your time. You held a place in my heart for most of the season. Even but, though he barely played. Even though he barely played. Even though he barely played. I was banging the Shane Bouchel drum over and over and over. I probably brought his name up at least once during our Thursday show, saying I think he needed to be playing. Shane, sorry, man. Maybe you need to go transfer. Maybe go play 
at Houston there down there with Shane, uh, Dana Holgerson or something. But uh, yeah, this is Sam Ellinger's team now, and uh, like you said, it, it's tough that he said that. I mean, I when you're you're a prisoner of the moment, you just won a huge game, one of the biggest games in recent memory for Texas. Uh, uh, so you know, you, sometimes you pop off, you know, say something that you might regret later. But hey, if they end up beating LSU, then he looks like you know, like he's right and that they for are sure. back. My dad has asked me every time Sam Ellinger makes a good play, is Ryan still thinks Shane Bouchelle <laughs> should be playing? So we just needed uh, officially on. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Offic- my official pick, Sam Ellinger. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't even know what you could clarify is Texas back making the playoff, I guess, to me, would it be? So I guess you could even say, say they lose in the Big 12 championship or any time they lose next year, that's going to be played. Um, yeah. So. Uh, that's fine. Uh, I think going into uh, uh, this game and being a strong SEC team, everyone that was saying they should have been in the playoff, and I, I think even I think the game was wasn't as close as the score. They had uh, a lot reflects. of guys out, right? And I'm not trying to make excuses. Sorry for cutting you, but no, they had no, a lot of guys out. They did, they did, but still, I mean, uh, would this, this would have been sort of the team that went into the went into the playoff too for Georgia? You know, if they ended up did making the playoff, so what would have what would have been if they played if they were the number four team played Bama? You know, I mean, what would the outcome been? Probably much worse than it was against Oklahoma. Who Texas? No, no Georgia. Oh, I think Georgia would have played just as well as they would have done in the SEC championship game. There's a level of getting up for a game, and especially a bowl game. And these guys that aren't that didn't play in like DeAndre Baker, who's going to be in the draft that sat out. He was obviously going to play, and I just think it's still. I don't like judging bowl games on saying, like, oh, this, especially for the playoff, you're off for three or four weeks. You're off for 30 days before you play a game. Mm-hmm. And I guess in, in these other New Year's Six games. Yeah, see, what I'm saying is, you know, like you said, those guys, the guys that set out because they're going pro wouldn't have. So that's why I say it would have been, you know, almost the same team, you know, injuries aside, because I think Georgia had a couple of pretty significant injuries as well to uh, some big name I, guys. So I'm just saying, you know, I don't know how much of a difference it, uh, the outcome of the game would have been if they were in the playoffs. So I think this is a good win for Texas regardless. No, no, no it's not, I'm not saying anyway. I think it's a good win for Texas too. All I'm saying is you're going to be way more motivated to play for Alabama yeah. in the semifinal yeah. than you are against Texas. That is, that's what it comes down to. Like I don't I don't like say uh, someone tweeted us the fifth seed in a playoff has only won one game. Yeah, in the in the standings, so they're pretty down on themselves uh, after that. And that was Ohio State when they curb stopped Notre Dame because they wanted to prove a point because they got hosed that year. That was uh, three years ago. Um, so I mean, the number five seed has proven that they're not going to win uh, a New Year's Six game. Yeah, I think I think I saw like seeds five through eight went one in. One in three or something yeah, like that. Yeah, the only team that won was Ohio State. Yeah. Sure which enough. was funny because everyone is saying, oh, the only teams that could have beat Clemson or Ohio State were – or Clemson or Alabama was Ohio State. But they didn't deserve to be in the playoff. <laughs> How could you say that and then say they don't deserve to be in a playoff? To me, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but the four most deserving versus the four best. How about I? I mean, both of these games weren't even close, yeah. and I don't even care what we said about Alabama. Oklahoma didn't even playing with their food; they were playing with their food. All right, I'm on Clemson. You're on Clemson. Take the over because life's too short to bet the under. All right, thanks everybody for tuning into this episode of the Short Thing. We'll talk to you Thursday online when we preview the Cowboys game. We'll be right back here next Thursday, Cowboys or next Sunday. Cowboys play Saturday night, so we won't have to grind out that result here. Talk to everybody on next Sunday. KFXR, Dallas, Fort Worth, Talk Radio 1190, 
and iHeartRadio station.